the holy God who fashioned us and was offended by our sin in love sent his son to earth to live amongst us a perfect life. He lived a perfect life. He died a sinner's death. And three days later, he rose again. And that simple message is the gospel that we are called to trust in. This is Timeless Truth Today, and I'm your host, Matt Williams. Welcome to part seven of Skillful Living, Introducing Proverbs, a 12-part study from Pastor Paul Twiss. Pastor Paul's text today is Proverbs chapter four, verses 10 through 19, and is subtitled, Seeking Wisdom Unto Salvation. Pastor Paul is on mic with us today to share his insights. So, Pastor, we have passed the midpoint of this 12-part study in Proverbs, And some of our listeners may be asking, what does the book of Proverbs teach about the gospel? That's a good question, Matt. We'll deal with that over the next three days. The text, verses 10 through 19, is a poem where Solomon is teaching his son about the way of wisdom, wisdom for everyday situations. The last couplet in this poem goes like this, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It ends like this in verse 19, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. Christians who pay serious attention to Proverbs learn to make wise, excellent decisions. These actions don't save you, but they are very much part of your sanctification process. It pleases God when we strive for excellence because it reflects his character. Thank you, Pastor. And we want to remind our listeners that there's a change coming. Coming soon, October 3rd, this program will have a new name. We're changing from Timeless Truth Today to Beholding Christ. And our website will be beholdingchrist.org. That's beholdingchrist.org. It'll be the same great Bible-based program, great preaching, and great time slot right here at 5 p.m. As we continue now in our series, part seven of Skillful Living, Introducing Proverbs. I did a very short two-part series in the book of Proverbs. Chapters one and nine we looked at over two Sunday evenings. And you'll remember the book of Proverbs is structured, chapters one through nine, as a lengthy introduction to the Proverbs themselves, which begin in chapter 10. So we looked at the beginning and the end of the introduction. And my thought was to just carry on that series and to look a little bit more at what the Proverbs have to say and to dig a bit deeper into the, the introduction. The way it's structured is, is 12 short poems. This is how you can divide one through nine. Um, each poem is designed to encourage our hearts and set our hearts and our minds ready to receive the wisdom that comes afterwards. So tonight we'll look at one of those poems, specifically in chapter four. If you have a Bible, please turn there. Proverbs uh, chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 10 through 19, just one of these 12 poems uh, that encourages us to pursue biblical wisdom. The Word of God reads, Hear, my son, and accept my words. 
that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. So reads the word of God. Life is made up of many connections. Everywhere we look, life is built upon connections. Connections, relationships between things, concepts, ideas, connections between people. Life operates based on these connections. Sometimes we see them and we can appreciate them and we can see how the world works. And sometimes we don't see connections and we don't really understand how things operate the way they do, but it's how life functions. Just this last month, I read a book about the history of the Oxford English Dictionary. It was a thriller from beginning to end. But I did learn a lot. I learned a lot about how words work and how words are connected to other words and how words have evolved and how some words relate to words in other languages. All these connections that allow us to communicate in English. And actually, the center of the book, the story, is about a madman, a lunatic, a murderer, and a professor, an academic, the two unlikeliest of friends, and yet they formed a relationship, a connection, centered around this book and made a huge impact in the history of the English language. Another completely unrelated connection, if I asked you what's the common point between golf balls and the 400-meter sprint, you would think maybe I'm the madman. Actually, there's a lot in common between a golf ball and a 400-meter runner. You may remember in the year 2000, a lady called Kathy Freeman running for Australia in a full-length running suit. She attracted a lot of attention because it was fairly new and novel what she did, not that running suits are all that novel today. Well, the technology, the science of that suit is exactly the same as the science of a golf ball. The dimples on a golf ball allow it to travel through the air with slightly less turbulence, less drag, and scientists have taken that and mapped it onto a running suit. What does all of this have to do with the book of Proverbs? Well, this poem that we're looking at tonight is teasing out a very important connection. It's a connection that is so important for our theology, for our life, for our everyday life, for our living, for our faith, for our salvation. The connection that's being teased out by Solomon in this short poem is the connection between the everyday, the, the daily routine, the daily grind, all of the things that fill our time and would often seem to be laborious, innocuous, insignificant even. The connection between those things and the big picture purposes of the Lord the salvation that the Lord is working out for us. How is it that I'm to think about the school run? How do I think about my commute? What do I make of the seeming hours that I have to spend each day clearing my inbox? 
How should I think about that team meeting? What do I think of coffee breaks and daily exercise, and balancing the accounts and doing the grocery shop, picking up the kids, dinner time, planning your schedule, rehearsing the the events of the day with your spouse, the the issues of life? So often we can disconnect these with what we might term to be ministry. So often we would allow those things to be a chore or a burden, and we don't understand how to make sense of them in the big picture purposes of. Of God in redemptive history, none of them seem to be directly connected to the gospel. And if you think about it, all of the things that I just listed, well, an unbeliever would be doing all of those things in their daily life too. So how do I make sense of them? Could it be that they do have a place in God's economy? Is there a way to think about them, a way to approach them, a way to execute them, whereby the the value of them? Stretches far beyond the fleeting moment of the activity. Well, the question is, how do I connect the small picture details of my life with the big picture purposes that God has for me? And the answer, as you may have guessed, is that I pursue them according to biblical wisdom. Wisdom is the key to understanding how the insignificant and how the trivial can take on eternal value in your life. That is the connection that's in view in our passage this evening. Now, as I mentioned, those twelve poems in this lengthy introduction, chapters one through nine, we have to realize that every poem is unique in and of itself. Every poem is contributing something unique and different to the reader as they seek to prepare you to receive the wisdom that comes in chapter ten and following. Chapter four, ten through nineteen, is a short poem that is designed to cultivate our thirst for wisdom. That is functioning as an exhortation towards a pursuit of wisdom, and it teaches us that the daily grind, in fact, does contribute, in one way or another, to the end game. When you sit on the 405, when you hit reply to yet another email, when you have that awkward meeting at work, when you enjoy bedtime chats with your four-year-old, all of it can have eternal. Significance, but you must pursue it according to godly wisdom. You must be skillful in the grey areas. You have to learn how to live life with excellence. Now, this connection that I'm talking about, I think, is most clearly displayed at the beginning and the end of this poem. So, just look with me to begin with at verse ten, and we can see that what Solomon does in the very first verse of the poem is to set the theological agenda for the rest. He says in verse ten, "Hear my son, and accept my words." So let's just pause there and think about what is it that he's commending his son to receive? My words. What does my words mean? I think most immediately it talks about this book, thirty-one chapters, the book of Proverbs. He's saying, "Receive these words." At the same time, it is right to understand that this book, these proverbs, are a representation. Of all of the teaching instruction that Solomon would have passed on to his son, as he sought to prepare his son to one day be king over Israel, hours and hours and hours of tuition. Solomon sat on his throne. His son sat before him, and Solomon said, "One day you'll be here, and you need to learn how to be an excellent king." And so today, son, we're going to talk about budgets. Today, son, we're going to talk about Relationships. 
Today, we're going to talk about hospitality and how to do it really well, because it's important. Son, today, we're going to talk about work ethic, and we're going to talk about how to be an excellent worker, and so on and so on. You get the picture. The idea is that Solomon is instructing him in all of these areas of life, which can seem so trivial which can seem so mundane or at times even laborious. He's referring to the wisdom that he has given to his son in all of these gray areas. He's saying, receive these words. And then look how the verse continues. He says, accept my words so that, so here's the the big picture connection that he's drawing, receive these words in order that the years of your life may be many. Now that's interesting. Most immediately, I do think the book of Proverbs teaches that if you live life according to God's blueprint, then it will go well for you. Or I should say it's more likely that you won't run into harm's way if you're willing to navigate the contours of life according to God's rules. There is a sense of that here. But at the same time, I think there is a a much broader theological context that we need to acknowledge. You see, much work has been done to connect the book of Proverbs with the law. There's much work that shows how Proverbs is predicated upon the books of Deuteronomy and Numbers and Leviticus when the law was given to the people of Israel. Solomon very much builds upon the theology that is found within the law, and that phrase in particular, the the years of your life and the idea of them being many, has significance within the context of the law. When God drew his people out of Egypt and he formed them into a nation and he saved them and redeemed them and he set them on a path towards the promised land, he gave them the law and he said, if you would obey, if you would listen to my voice and obey and strive towards the land, I will deliver you. You will be in the land. And when you're in the land, I will dwell with you. I will be your God. You will be my people you will know abundance of life and the years of your life will be many. The idea of many years is not simply Solomon saying, look, if you hear this wisdom, then when you get to the end, you're actually going to live another two years on the end of that. It's so much more than that. It reaches back to a bigger theological context, namely God's redemptive purposes for his people. I will deliver you into the land, you know, fullness of life, and the years of your life will be many. Solomon is hinting at here a connection between everyday wise living and the fullness of God's salvation purposes for his people. That idea is made perhaps even clearer at the end of the poem. If you look down to verse 18, Solomon is forming bookends with this one single concept when he says in verse 18, The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day, or literally until the establishment of the day. Here, what's interesting to note is that the language Solomon uses is picked up on in other books of the Old Testament. We find the language of the light of dawn, the the shining of the light and the establishment of the day, We find that language in the book of Job and in the Psalms and in the book of Isaiah. And every time, it's in an eschatological context. 
other authors use this same language in context where they are looking forward to the very last day, the great and glorious day when the Lord Jesus Christ appears and the fullness of our salvation is realized. Indeed, Bruce Waltke, who I think has written the best book out there on, on Proverbs, sums this concept up by saying he's talking about absolute salvation. Absolute salvation. And so if we, if we sum up the sense or the, the agenda in this poem given to us in the first verse and then towards the end in the conclusion, Solomon is saying, son, the pursuit of wisdom in the everyday things has a part to play in the big picture purposes that God has for your life. Or, or if we flip that around, we could ask a question of the text we could say, how do I make sense of the mundane? How do I make sense of the innocuous, the details of the daily routine, which so often feel removed from ministry, which so often I can't make sense of and I can't quite see how doing the, the details that seem to consume my life, I can't see how they advance the gospel. And the poem gives the answer by saying all of these things can take on eternal significance if you're willing to learn and to apply biblical wisdom. Now, before we go any further and look at the, the connection being played out for us in the poem, before we do that, we need to first state some presuppositions. We need to first state some assumptions that we make as we come to the book of Proverbs. I gave the, the sermon this evening the title, Seeking Wisdom Unto Salvation. And without any context, if you read that, you might think, was well, he suggesting that there's a way by which we pursue wisdom and our efforts then obtain for us a right standing before God? The title maybe is a little bit provocative. It, it's not at all what I'm saying. I'm using salvation there in that sentence, seeking wisdom unto salvation in that final sense, ultimate salvation, the salvation to which we're all striving. And so the presupposition that we need to state as we move into any study in the book of Proverbs is that we come to this as Christians. We come to this as Christians who have been saved by grace. We come to the book of Proverbs as Christian scripture. It's designed in such a way that we assume that the reader is right with God. If we are not right with God, then no amount of effort will allow us to access the wisdom that is contained in this book. We cannot put into place the wisdom in this book in any eternally significant way if we are not first and foremost right with our maker. That is what we need to say up front. And, and every week at this church, we rehearse the saving message of the gospel, and rightly so. Every week at this church, praise the Lord, we have those that don't know Christ among us. For the sake of completeness, the gospel by which we are saved is a simple message. We were made by a holy God. He fashioned us and he formed us, and yet we rebelled against him. We have rebelled against him such that the Bible says we are his enemies. In and of ourselves, we are his enemies, and there is nothing that we can do to fix that problem. It is the greatest problem that we have, and we are completely helpless to provide a remedy. 
But the holy God who fashioned us and was offended by our sin in love sent his son to earth to live amongst us a perfect life. He lived a perfect life. He died a sinner's death. And three days later, he rose again. And that simple message is the gospel that we are called to trust in. And it is when you trust in that man, Jesus Christ, his life, his ministry, his message, his death, his resurrection, when you look to him as the only way by which you'll be made right with God, then your sins are washed away. You have communion with that holy God. He declares you to be righteous. He declares you to be his child and... He gifts you his Holy Spirit so that then we're in a position to open the book of Proverbs and access the wisdom that he has stored up for us here. Now, with that assumption stated, that's how we come to this text. And I would just say, if you are here tonight and you don't know the Lord Jesus in a saving way, would you turn from your sin and cast yourself upon Christ for salvation? With that assumption stated, we then realize that upon receiving salvation, we're in a position where we start to look at the world through a biblical lens. Upon receiving salvation, we then try to make sense of our life and the world around us through a biblical lens. And one question that Christians may often ask is, how do I make sense of the things that seem so disconnected from tangible gospel ministry? I do know so many Christians that have struggled in the secular workplace to know, to what end am I doing this? Is there any point in this? I wish I could just be in ministry. And this poem provides the answer by saying, yes, yes, there is significance to every single detail of your life if you pursue it according to wisdom. Now, the poem is split into two halves. There is a first half which is positive, from 10 through 13, and the second half, which is negative and functions as a warning, 14 through 17. And the last two verses are our conclusion. The first half I've just titled, Make Wisdom Your Life. That is the encouragement that we're given, make wisdom your life. And what Solomon is doing here, after initially giving us that connection in verse 10, he then starts to show how it might play out how you can take advantage of that connection. He begins in verse 11 by simply saying that we need to harness the information. Verse 11, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the path of uprightness. So Solomon is describing what has happened with him and his son over many hours of instruction. And for our part as the reader, we're not simply here to observe and to think upon those hours of instruction. But we receive this text and we as the reader now understand that there is, for us, an exhortation built into verse 11 that we would do the same. You're listening to Timeless Truth today. Have you ever studied the book of Proverbs and considered the wisdom God is offering us through the pen of Solomon? Ask yourself, where in this world outside of the Bible would I hear this kind of teaching? Not in modern media or in our schools and not in businesses. We learn here that life's challenges can be met by a God-given pursuit of excellence. The Lord has abundant ways of showing the way home to himself 
to those who fear Him. If you'd like to learn more about turning your life in the way of wisdom and excellence, come to our website, TimelessTruthToday.org, TimelessTruthToday.org, select Broadcasts, and there you'll find an abundance of teaching to help you. Timeless Truth Today is a teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Twiss, a listener-supported outreach of Bethany Bible Church in Thousand Oaks, California. On Sunday this weekend, if you don't have a local church to attend, you're invited to come worship with us at 10.30 a.m. The church is located at 200 West Bethany Court in Thousand Oaks. Join us on Monday as we continue in our series with Part 8 of Skillful Living, Introducing Proverbs from Pastor Paul Twiss. I'm Matt Williams. Have a great weekend, and thank you for listening.